The text for this morning's sermon is Matthew 1, verse 6b. It's part of the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, if I asked you to tell me what you know about Bathsheba, what would you say? I think most of you would be able to tell me the story of how David saw her bathing and that he desired her, sent for her, and committed adultery with her. Some of you may also know that Bathsheba is the mother of Solomon. The Bible actually tells us much more about Bathsheba. But for most of us, the main thing we remember about her is her involvement in David's sin. We associate her with David's shameful act of taking her from her husband Uriah and committing adultery with her. Yet despite the fact that Bathsheba is often considered a lowly and despised woman, Matthew includes her in Jesus' genealogy. Along with Tamer, Rahab, Ruth, and Mary, she's included in the family line of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 1 verse 6 says, And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. There is specific reason why Matthew includes her. It is because the Lord has given Bathsheba an exalted place in the royal house of David. God had promised that the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah and from the line of David. In 2 Samuel 7, the prophet Nathan told David, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. We know from Scripture that David had many wives and concubines. He fathered many children. Yet the royal line leading from David to Christ passed through Bathsheba's son, Solomon. God chose her to be one of the ancestors of the Lord Jesus. Despite the shameful way she came to be part of David's family, the Lord exalted her to an honored position in Israel. It's another beautiful example of how the Lord opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. The Lord exalts Bathsheba as mother of the royal house of David. We'll see Bathsheba's shameful entry into David's royal house and Bathsheba's glorious exaltation as mother of the Prince of Peace. The Bible tells us much more about Bathsheba than we often realize. She grew up in a godly family. 2 Samuel 11 verse 3 tells us that her father's name was Eliam. 1 Chronicles 3 verse 5 identifies her father as Amiel. 
Both names essentially mean the same thing. God is my kinsman. Or to say it another way, I am part of the family of God. Please remember, beloved, that in the Bible, names are important. They were often prophetic or descriptive of a person's life. Jacob was a deceiver. Moses means to draw out, symbolizing how he was drawn out of water. Thus, Bathsheba's dad's name indicates he was God's kinsman, part of the true family of God. We know this to be true from other passages in the Bible. Bathsheba's father is listed in 2 Samuel 23 as being one of David's mighty men of valor. Some of these men joined David already in the days when he fled from Saul, who was seeking his life. These men were great warriors. With David, they fought ferocious battles against the Philistines. With David, they made raids against the Girgashites, the the Girizites, and the Amalekites. They also supported David in consolidating his power when he was made king of Israel. When you read some of the accounts of these mighty men of valor, it's amazing to see their prowess in making war. 2 Samuel 23 tells us of Joshua Bathsheba, who wielded his spear against 800 men, whom he killed at one time. Tells us of Eliezer, the son of Dodo, who rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and clung to his sword. It speaks of Shammah, who took a stand in the field of lentils when David's men were fleeing from the Philistines. He defended this plot, struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory. These mighty men of David were revered in Israel, and one of them was Eliam, Bathsheba's father. So we see Bathsheba's father had a name that means God is my kinsman, and that he was one of David's most valiant and trusted soldiers. It's also worth noting the name he chose for his daughter, Bathsheba. Her name means daughter of the oath. We cannot be certain what oath Eliam was referring to in naming Bathsheba. It might be a reference to the Lord's oath to Abraham to give his people the promised land. It might refer to some thanksgiving promise made to God by her father and mother. Either way, it shines a light on the genuine faith her parents had. Bathsheba was raised in a family that honored God, that displayed great bravery against the Lord's enemies, and that was very close to David, the man after God's own heart. In Israel, it was normal for fathers to choose a husband for their daughters. Most marriages were arranged marriages. When the time came for this godly man to choose a husband for his daughter Bathsheba, Eliam chose Uriah. He's identified in our text as Uriah the Hittite. 
What you may not know about Uriah is that he's also one of David's mighty men of valor. He's listed as such in 2 Samuel 23 and 1 Chronicles 11. Eliam knew him well. He would have gone off to fight with him against Israel's enemies on numerous occasions. It's interesting that Uriah is identified as a Hittite. When Israel entered the promised land, the Lord commanded them to put all the Canaanite nations under the ban of destruction. They were to be wiped out because of their idolatry and their immorality. This included the Hittites. We know that Israel was not faithful in fulfilling this command. Thus, some of these people survived. What is striking is to find a Hittite among David's mighty men. As a devout child of God, a lion would have been very careful about whom he chose for his daughter to marry. It's clear that Uriah was a God-fearing man. Perhaps his parents or grandparents had turned away from Canaanite gods to serve the Lord. It's also possible that he was inspired to turn away from his own gods to serve the Lord by David himself. That Eliam chose Uriah the Hittite as husband for his daughter speaks about the character and the nobility of this man. Uriah is a Hebrew name that means light or flame of Yahweh, or Yahweh is my light. He was a righteous and godly man, as we'll see further in a few minutes. Bathsheba also had a famous grandfather. This is clear from the listing of David's mighty men in 2 Samuel 23, verse 34. It tells us Bathsheba's father, Eliam, was the son of Ahitophel, the Galanite. For many years while he reigned as king, Ahitophel served as David's counselor. He was very highly regarded in Israel. 2 Samuel 16, 23 says that in those days the counsel that Ahitophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God. So was all the counsel of Ahitophel esteemed. His wise words were treated as if he were speaking from God himself. So, beloved, from Bathsheba's background, we see she came from a God-fearing family, that her husband, father, and grandfather were highly esteemed in the land. Her husband and father had an intimate relationship with David, as they were part of his band of 30 mighty men. Her grandfather was one of David's most trusted counselors. So why is it that we often look down on Bathsheba? Much has to do with the fact that she was involved in one of the great sins that David, the man after God's own heart, committed. Our reading from 2 Samuel 11 tells us about how one spring David sent Joab and his armies to war. But he remained at Jerusalem. As king and as commander of his armies, David should have been with his men fighting against the Ammonites. Yet he remained behind in Jerusalem. 
It appears that David had too much idle time. Our reading speaks about him rising from his couch late in the afternoon. When he goes out to the palace roof, he sees a woman bathing. Our text says that she was very beautiful. David inquired about her. He found out that she was Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and wife of Uriah. She was the daughter and wife of two men who were David's close companions, men that had risked their lives repeatedly for David. But David was not thinking with his head. He was filled with desire for Bathsheba, and so he sent messengers and took her, and she came and he lay with her. In Israel, if the king summoned you, you came. And when Bathsheba came, David committed adultery with her. 2 Samuel 11 notes that Bathsheba had been bathing because she was purifying herself from her uncleanness. She was keeping the ritual aspects of the law of Moses. And yet David involved her in blatant sin against the moral law. Please note that the Bible does not say anything about Bathsheba's willingness or unwillingness to partake in sexual sin. The Bible casts the blame squarely on David. Yet we often look at Bathsheba in a negative light because she was involved in King David's downfall. The only words that Bathsheba speaks in 2 Samuel 11 are to tell David, I am pregnant. David has not only committed sexual sin, he now also has to deal with the aftermath. He decides to try cover up his sin. He sends word for Uriah to come home from battle. When he arrived, David asked him about how the battle was going. Literally, the Hebrew uses the word for wholeness, peace, prosperity, or success three times in verse 7. How ironic that David asks after the wholeness, the peace, the success of Joab, of Israel's armies, and the war, while he had trashed the wholeness and the well-being of Uriah's marriage. After this, David sent him home. He wanted Uriah to sleep with his wife, so everyone would think she had fallen pregnant by her own husband. But Uriah didn't go home. He stayed overnight at the palace with all the king's servants. David asked him about it the next day. Uriah told him that Israel was at war, and that the ark and all the king's men were camping in the open field. Uriah said, Shall I then go to my house and eat and drink and lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Uriah shows his good character and his commitment to the Lord and his people. He refuses to engage in civilian affairs while God's armies were out at war. David tried once more to get Uriah home by getting him drunk. But again, Uriah stayed at the palace with all the king's servants. He did not go home. 
So David gave him sealed orders to pass on to Joab, the commander of Israel's armies. In the letter he wrote, set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. As Joab was besieging Rabbah, one of the Ammonite cities, he followed David's orders and Uriah was killed. The chapter ends with Bathsheba lamenting over her husband. When her mourning was over, David took her and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. Thus David had cover for when Bathsheba bore him a son. The Lord was terribly displeased with what David had done. He sent the prophet Nathan to confront David with his sin of murdering Uriah, the Hittite, and taking his wife as his own. Nathan told David that because of what he did, the sword shall never depart from your house. He also told David that what he did with Uriah's wife in secret would be done with his wives in the sight of all Israel. At this, David repented of his sins. 2 Samuel 12, verse 13 tells us, David confessed, I have sinned against the Lord. In Psalm 51, David expresses his deep sorrow at offending God. He pleads with the Lord to have mercy on him. He prays, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. David prays, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. He asks, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. According to the law of Moses, David and Bathsheba should both have died. Leviticus 20 verse 10 says, If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Deuteronomy 22 verse 22 prescribes something similar and adds, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. The law required both King David and Bathsheba be put to death for the shameful evil they had brought upon Israel. Yet 2 Samuel 12 tells us, God forgave David. Nathan said, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Due to David's repentance, the Lord forgave his sin. But there were still consequences from his sin. The prophet Nathan told David, nevertheless, because, of, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Although David sought the Lord's favor with fasting and prayer, 
the Lord did not spare the son born out of his sin with Bathsheba. Part of the consequence of David's sin was that this child died. And so we see, beloved, that Bathsheba's entry into David's royal household was clothed with shame. She was Uriah the Hittite's wife, but David took her and committed adultery with her. When David's kingship is evaluated in 1 Kings 15, verse 5, we read the following. It says that David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he had commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. In Israel's history, Bathsheba was often viewed negatively because of David's shameful contact with her. This brings us to our second point, and we'll consider Bathsheba's glorious exaltation as mother of the Prince of Peace. Already some years before his sin with Bathsheba, David expressed his desire to build a house for the Lord, a temple in which God could dwell among his people. This was something the Lord had never asked for or commanded. And so the Lord was moved by David's desire to build him a permanent dwelling place. 2 Samuel 7 tells us that in response to this, the Lord said to David, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 1 Chronicles 22 gives us more details about the situation. The reason why David was not allowed to build the Lord a temple to dwell in was because he was a man of war, because he had shed so much blood. But the Lord added this promise. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies. For his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son and I will be his father. And I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. Thus, even before he was born, the Lord promised to give David a son who would be called Solomon, to establish his throne forever. 2 Samuel 12, verse 24 tells us that after David and Bathsheba's first son died, David comforted his wife. David lay with her and she bore a son and he called his name Solomon. We know, beloved, that David had many wives and concubines. They bore him many different children. Yet it is this son, born to David through Bathsheba, whom he names Solomon. The name Solomon means peace. He was the son to whom the Lord would give rest from all his enemies. After many generations of being at war with enemies within and outside of Israel, Solomon would be the Prince of Peace. 
2 Samuel 12 tells us that when Solomon was born, the Lord loved him and sent a message by Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. David had sincerely repented of his sin of murdering Uriah and taking Bathsheba, his own wife. The Lord does not hold his sin against him. Quite the opposite happens. Although David and Bathsheba's marriage wasn't supposed to happen, the Lord crowns it with his blessing. He gave them children, and one of these children was special. The son David called Solomon, the Lord named Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord. This son, Solomon Jedidiah, was assigned to David and Bathsheba of the peace and the love of God. They had repented in humility after their sin. The Lord accepted their broken and contrite hearts. He truly forgave them. This resulted in shalom, in peace, wholeness, and well-being. Their relationship with the Lord had been restored. Instead of being angry with them, the Lord poured out his blessings on them. When Solomon became king, he was not perfect. Although he was given the gift of great wisdom from God, he was foolish in marrying foreign wives who drew him away from wholehearted service to the Lord. Yet Solomon did build the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. The Lord did grant him peace and rest from all his enemies on every side. Many came from different lands to pay tribute to Solomon and to listen to his God-given wisdom about many things. Solomon firmly established the kingdom David had founded. Under his reign, it was a peaceful kingdom. At following Solomon, the tribes of Jacob were split into two nations, Israel and Judah. In the years that followed, there was often war between people who should have been brothers. It showed that Solomon was not the true prince of peace. Every believing Israelite was looking for a better king than Solomon. The prophet Isaiah prophesied about this king. He spoke of a child who would be born and a son who would be given. He would sit on the throne of David forever and ever, and his name would be called the Prince of Peace. Who is that Prince of Peace? He's the greatest son of Bathsheba, King Jesus Christ. At this time of year, we remember how Jesus came into this world for our salvation. He came to offer his body and blood on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for all our sins. He came to pay the price we could not pay and thereby to restore us to righteousness and life. Jesus came to reconcile us with God so we could be adopted as his sons and daughters, so that we could live 
in covenant fellowship with him. Remember, beloved, how when Solomon was born, he was loved by the Lord? That's why he was also called Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord. As the great son of Solomon, Jesus was also addressed in this way. At the baptism of the Lord Jesus, and again at his transfiguration, God the Father spoke from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Lord Jesus is Solomon, the Prince of Peace. He is Jedediah, beloved of the Lord. Our text shows us that Jesus was born into David's royal family by the wife of Uriah. Uriah gets mentioned because he was a faithful and devout man who was murdered because of David's sinful lust. David's adultery with Bathsheba has caused her to be looked down on by many. Yet the Lord gives her an exalted position in David's royal house. Bathsheba played a very important role in the history of salvation. Although she entered David's house under shameful circumstances, God exalted her. He gave her a place of honor. For she was the mother of Solomon and ultimately of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Bathsheba bore David more children. 1 Chronicles 3 verse 5 tells us about the children born to David in Jerusalem. Besides Solomon, it also mentions Nathan, Shohab, and Shemiah. I want to focus your attention on their son, Nathan. Nathan was the prophet who confronted David with his sins of adultery and murder. Yet David and Bathsheba end up naming one of their sons after him. Instead of being angry and frustrated with this man who exposed his sin, David holds him in high regard. He appreciated very much that Nathan turned him away from the path of destruction, that he brought him back to the Lord's service. And there's more, beloved. We've noted that Bathsheba is the mother of Solomon, who shows up in Jesus' genealogy in Matthew 1. She is also the mother of Nathan, who shows up in Jesus' genealogy in Luke 3. While Matthew shows us Jesus' paternal ancestry, Luke shows us Jesus' maternal ancestry. Joseph was descended from Bathsheba through Solomon. Mary was descended from Bathsheba through Nathan. Bathsheba thus holds a position of double honor in David's royal household as one of the great-grandparents of both Joseph and Mary. How is it that David worked through Bathsheba to bring about the birth of his son? When we consider David's sin of adultery with Bathsheba, and the manner he covered it up by murdering Uriah. 
We wonder why it is through this couple that God brought his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. Does God bless disobedience? Is that the take-home message of our text? No, beloved, certainly not. However, God does love those who come to him with humble and contrite hearts. God welcomes all who recognize their sins, who confess them before the throne of grace, who truly repent of their sins. Even when we're guilty of grievous sins like adultery and murder. Jesus' ancestry shows us he was the descendant of many very sinful people. There were many in Jesus' family tree that would have been despised and rejected by the religious leaders of Jesus' day. Yet our sovereign God chooses whom he wills. And he accomplishes his plan of salvation with weak and sinful people. It shows the boundless mercy of our God. I don't know all of your histories, beloved. I don't know all of the sins you've committed or the shame that you've suffered. But I do know the grace of God in Jesus Christ. How Jesus came to bring God's peace and love to all who believe in him. And so I want to encourage you to come to God with humble and contrite hearts. Don't let pride get in the way of confessing your sins and repenting from them. Seek your salvation in Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, who came to reconcile us with our Father in Heaven. Seek your life in Jesus Christ, the Beloved of the Lord, who came to make us God's beloved people. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Amen.